Sanders. Welcome to the Dr. Hedberg Show for cutting-edge practical health information. For the latest articles, videos, and podcasts, visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com. The information in this show is intended for educational purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional before attempting anything recommended in this program. And now, here's Dr. Hedberg. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Functional Medicine Research. I'm Dr. Hedberg, and today I'm going to be covering a study on ashwagandha and subclinical hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's disease. So ashwagandha, it's one of my favorite supplements. I've been using it for about 15 years with excellent results. It's really one of the most popular adrenal adaptogens out there, but it has many other uses, and I'll talk about those today more specifically for thyroid issues. So this uh, particular study, it's called Efficacy and Safety of Ashwagandha Root Extract in Subclinical Hypothyroid Patients, a Double-Blind Randomized Placebo-Controlled Trial. So this was published in the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine. So we're actually off to a great start just by reading the title because it points out that it's a double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trial, which is what we want. This is the highest standard for a study like this. So the authors begin by talking about subclinical hypothyroidism and how subclinical hypothyroidism is usually caused by Hashimoto's disease. So they do point that out. Now it's characterized by a TSH between 4.5 and 10. And most of you know that that's a fairly high TSH. Um, and also subclinical hypothyroidism, it's actually characterized with or without symptoms of hypothyroidism. So these people will have a high TSH from 4.5 to 10, and they might have no symptoms. And then they may actually also have positive thyroid antibodies, thyroid peroxidase and antithyroglobulin. So on paper, they could have Hashimoto's, they could have hypothyroidism, but they could have no symptoms. And so that's considered subclinical hypothyroidism. Now, they may, they may have symptoms, but they may not. So there are direct connections, though, with subclinical hypothyroidism and a few, a few issues. The first is type 2 diabetes, also abnormal cholesterol, high cholesterol, atherosclerosis, calcification of the aorta, impaired cardiovascular function, and then they may have abnormal heart, muscle, and nerve function as well. So all of those are connected. Now, interestingly, there was actually a full review done previously, a really good study. And they actually found that if you treat patients with thyroid hormone who have a TSH between 4.5 and 10, they have subclinical hypothyroidism, that actually had no effect on any of the above risks. So if someone has subclinical hypothyroidism and they have type 2 diabetes, it doesn't help at all giving thyroid medication. Uh, 
and it and it doesn't help preventing the development of something like type 2 diabetes so there's obviously a lot of other issues there at play with a high TSH like that and and no symptoms so ashwagandha it is an adrenal adaptogen like i said it's been used for hundreds if not thousands of years in ayurvedic medicine and uh, traditional herbalists and it basically stabilizes your body's biochemistry and the studies that have been done on ashwagandha have been have found it beneficial for things like adrenal stress fatigue depression anxiety inflammation it helps to regulate the immune system it improves low blood pressure and it's a very strong antioxidant so it has many benefits now in a previous study this was in rats it showed that ashwagandha increased t4 and t3 levels and then in a human study now this was done on interestingly people with bipolar disorder the ashwagandha improved the tsh the t4 and the t3 levels and then another study showed that people who were taking metformin which is a drug for blood sugar usually given in type 2 diabetes uh, metformin can cause hypothyroidism and so in this study it showed that ashwagandha actually completely reversed the hypothyroidism that was caused by the drug metformin so let's dig in to dig into this study so this was eight weeks 25 people and they took ashwagandha 300 milligrams twice a day and then there were another 25 people taking the placebo pill so this is what we want we want people taking the ashwagandha and they don't know if they're taking the ashwagandha or the placebo pill or not that's the double-blinded aspect of the study if they knew they were taking ashwagandha this could actually significantly skew the results because we know in psychoneuroimmunology that whatever you believe changes your brain and your nervous system and your immune system basically changes everything so all of these people had an elevated tsh between 4.5 and 10 but t4 and t3 levels were within the normal range and then they tested the tsh t4 and t3 at the beginning of the study and then at four weeks and then at the end at eight weeks so these are the results tsh levels decreased and so that means that thyroid function improved so if you have a high tsh you want it to go down that means the thyroid is getting better and it it went down minus 12.5 percent at four weeks and minus 17.4 percent at eight weeks so a good shift t4 levels increased by 9.3 percent at four weeks and 19.6 percent at eight weeks so about a 20 percent improvement after two months and then t3 levels increased by 18.6 percent at four weeks 
and 41.5% at eight weeks. So T3 had a huge increase after just two months on the ashwagandha. So only one person in the ashwagandha group had side effects from the ashwagandha, and they had fever, cough, headache, and weakness. But this person said that these were really mild symptoms, and they were temporary. They went away very quickly. So uh, really good safety there as far as side effects. So the authors conclude that ashwagandha normalized thyroid function in subclinical hypothyroid subjects to a significant degree, and the treatment was safe and tolerable. Now, they do point out the limitations of the study, which is the small sample size and the, and the low duration of the study. So it was only eight weeks and only uh, 25 people taking actually taking the ashwagandha. So a better study would include hundreds, if not thousands of subjects monitored over a much longer period of time. But uh, this is a great start. So my comments on this are, the first is, I was really impressed. There was a, an author discussion in the paper where they talked about how stress inhibits thyroid function. And this is something I'm always trying to explain to patients that if you're stressed from your work or your relationships or if you're even stressed about your health that's going to inhibit thyroid function so when the hypo it's called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis also known as the hpa axis when this is upregulated it suppresses the hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis, and that's the HPT axis, and that, and that slows down the thyroid. Now, we also know that cortisol, a stress hormone, inhibits T4 and T3 production. And ashwagandha helps to lower excessive cortisol levels, and that allows the thyroid hormone levels to improve or return to normal. Also, the authors point out that inflammation upregulates the HPA axis. So if you're inflamed from anything, whether it's your gut or the foods that you're eating, or if you're over-exercising, or all the or not getting enough sleep, the myriad things that can cause inflammation, that's going to upregulate HPA axis so you get more cortisol, more adrenaline, and that's going to inhibit thyroid function. Now, ashwagandha is an excellent anti-inflammatory, so it's also going to help decrease inflammation as well as balancing the stress hormones. So the authors do talk about that in the paper, which I was surprised to see. Now, since this was a, a double-blind, randomized placebo-controlled trial, I don't really have much criticism of the study other than what the authors pointed out, the small sample size and the short duration. But that's really the gold standard is a double blinding, randomized uh, with a placebo. And so the people in the placebo group, nothing changed. So that tells us that the ashwagandha definitely worked. It wasn't just based on 
someone believing in what they were taking was going to work. And that's the issue with a lot of the studies, some of the ones that I've covered in the past on diet and supplements. If there's no blinding group, uh, then it's just you can't conclude much from the study. So I've used ashwagandha, like I said in the beginning, for many years. I use it in Hashimoto's disease and hypothyroidism. I like the, it's called ashwagandha select from Moss Nutrition. And we'll use uh, one capsule once or twice a day. So in this study, they took 300 milligrams twice a day. So that's a total of 600 milligrams. The ashwagandha select has 500 milligrams in one capsule. So that's all people need sometimes, just one with breakfast. If they're under a lot of stress and if they're having sleep issues, because ashwagandha really helps with sleep, we'll add a second capsule in at dinner. This helps keep stress hormones low uh, when they're trying to go to sleep. Now, you don't want to take ashwagandha without doctor supervision because you could be one of the people that has the side effects and it could if you're taking thyroid medication it could have uh, a negative effect on that so let's i'll give you a specific example let's say someone is taking thyroid medication like synthroid or armor or nature throid and then they add in ashwagandha as as we can see from the paper their t3 levels are going to significantly increase and that's, that could create a scenario of hyperthyroidism uh, because of the medication plus the ashwagandha. So you wouldn't want to combine the two uh, just on your own. And it also increased the T4, which would cause additional issues, and it lowered the TSH. So you could go back for your testing, and your TSH could be way too low. And so the doctor might think that you're on too much hormone, but it's really just the addition of the ashwagandha that is pushing the TSH down and increasing the T4 and the T3. So don't combine the two unless you're under supervision. Now, there's this information circulating around the internet, unfortunately, about ashwagandha and Th1 and Th2 issues with Hashimoto's disease. And also from the autoimmune paleo community that ashwagandha is a nightshade so you shouldn't take it if you have Hashimoto's this is just a complete misunderstanding of nightshades herbal medicines and immunology so the first thing is that consuming nightshades in a meal size quantity like having an entire eggplant or uh, tomatoes, uh, potatoes, those kinds of things, that's certainly going to cause a problem. That's a full meal-sized portion of a food. The amount of any potential issues in an herb in a tiny capsule is so minute that in the vast majority of cases, it's just not going to cause a problem. And so this is what will happen. Someone might take ashwagandha who has Hashimoto's disease and they might feel like they're not doing well. And so they might make the wrong conclusion. They may think that that's because it's a nightshade and they shouldn't be eating it. But what they don't understand is that it may be completely unrelated to the fact that it's a nightshade, first of all. 
And it could be related to the fact that their T3 levels are all of a sudden increasing and their T4 levels are increasing. Now, it may not be that. It may actually be a subtle immune response to the ashwagandha because anyone can have an immune reaction to an herb no matter what it is. Some herbs, some people just don't do well with certain herbs. So that can be the other issue. Now, interestingly enough, you know, I've been studying herbal medicine for 15 years and every single herbal medicine book and expert around the world, whether they're an Ayurvedic herbal medicine practitioner or a traditional herbal medicine practitioner from all over the world, Ashwagandha is is always listed as the pref- as a preferred herb to treat Hashimoto's disease, and I found that as well. I don't find issues with it. So traditional herbalists uh, for centuries have used it and recommend it for Hashimoto's disease. Now, I can't get into a lot of detailed immunology here, but basically, ashwagandha inhibits NF kappa B. So NF-kappa-B is a compound uh, in the cell that drives inflammation and autoimmune disease. So ashwagandha inhibits NF-kappa-B. So just by taking it, you are decreasing inflammation and you're inhibiting autoimmunity. So you want to decrease NF-kappa-B if you have autoimmune disease like Hashimoto's. So ashwagandha, it's an excellent choice to reduce inflammation and and autoimmunity. However, it's never that simple when it comes to immunology. So another thing to know is that ashwagandha, it's actually also a prebiotic. Prebiotics can stimulate certain bacteria and certain individuals. And so if someone has SIBO, bacterial overgrowth, or if they have dysbiosis and they take ashwagandha, it's a prebiotic, They could be feeding the bad bacteria. And of course, we know that our gut microflora regulate our immune system and they're intimately involved in autoimmunity and inflammation. So that's another potential mechanism by which someone could have side effects from ashwagandha. And again, they may erroneously think that it's because it's in the nightshade family or because it's messing with Th1 and Th2. Another issue on top of that is that ashwagandha, it acts very differently depending on whether it's consumed with fat or without fat. And it also depends on the dose. So it depends on uh, the type of diet that they're eating, whether it's a high fat, say ketogenic diet, if it's a low fat vegan or vegetarian diet, if it's a high protein, low fat diet, It depends on what they take it with. So, for example, in in Ayurvedic medicine, ashwagandha is taken with ghee, which is, of course, high in fat. And so if you take it with fat or without fat, it'll have completely different effects on the immune system. Uh, One way will stimulate the immune system and the other way won't. So this is kind of the wisdom of taking some of these herbs uh, based on on traditional uses. So again, it depends on the dose, the state of the individual's microbiome, 
if they have overgrowth or dysbiosis, their diet, and if it's taken with or without fat. And so that's why you shouldn't take ashwagandha if you have Hashimoto's unless you're under supervision or you really know what's going on with, with your microbiome and your Hashimoto's and everything else. So as you can see, there are many, many layers there. It's not as simple as it's a nightshade. It stimulates Th1 and, and exacerbates autoimmunity and all these other factors that could come into play when someone's taking it. So ashwagandha, it's a fantastic herb. Most of the adrenal adaptogen formulas out there have ashwagandha in them. And then, of course, it can be taken by itself. But there's no doubt, based on this study and some of the other studies that I mentioned, and I link to those studies in this article, that do show ashwagandha improves T4 and T3 and uh, lowers TSH. Now, we did, they didn't test the thyroid antibodies in this study, so we don't know how it affected the Hashimoto's disease. And we also don't know how many of these patients had Hashimoto's disease. The only thing the authors said is that subclinical hypothyroidism is usually caused by Hashimoto's. So some of these people definitely had it. We just don't know who had it. And only, again, only one person out of the 25 had any kind of side effects, which were mild and were gone very quickly. So over two months, uh, we had the majority of people with Hashimoto's and subclinical hypothyroidism taking ashwagandha without any kind of reaction or issue. The only thing we saw is improvements. So I linked to this study on the, the website, drhedberg.com, and the other studies that I mentioned, if you want to check that out. Otherwise, I hope this was help, helpful, and I will talk to you next time. Take care. If you enjoy The Dr. Hedberg Show, you can support it by sharing each episode on your social media channels, like Facebook, and by leaving a review on iTunes. Please visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G dot com to access the show notes and resources for today's episode.